But as I've been thinking about this week that I was going to get to share and think about what God wanted me to share, I really wanted to talk about decision-making. I am so excited that we've got several of our students who are here uh, with us this morning. And as I thought about this message, I thought about you guys. Because I so would have loved if someone would have shared this message uh, for me, as I was a student, thinking about all those life decisions that I was going to make. Now, every single one of us are going to make decisions. As a matter of fact, you made some decisions this week. Pastor Bart challenged us several weeks ago at the beginning of January that you would be reading a proverb a day that goes with the calendar day um, throughout the month of January. So today would have been is February 3rd, so you would read Proverbs chapter 3. But this week you made a decision. If you've been following along with us in that whole process, you got to Proverbs 31 and you got to see what a woman after God's own heart really looks like in Proverbs 31. But you had to make a decision. What am I now going to do? Am I going to read Proverbs again or am I going to go on to do something else? And some of you probably got to a place where you're like, okay, I don't know where to go next. So here's what I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in the month of February to, again, read the proverb that goes with the calendar day of the month. So today you'd read Proverbs chapter 3. Now, I just did that. I just read that. Why am I going to read that again? Here's why. Because I've been doing this since I was a teenager, reading a proverb a day. Now, it's not that I've done it every single day since I was a teenager, but this is where I always come back to whenever I'm not in a reading plan or whether maybe I'm going through a decision-making process or something, I come back to the book of Proverbs. And I do this as I read whatever day of the month it is. But here's where my challenge comes to you. If you did that for the book of Proverbs, what I'm going to guarantee you is that God will show you something new that you might not have seen last month. And it's just in time for what you need this month. But I'm going to ask you to add something to that. There are 150 Psalms. That means that for a 30-day month, now we only have 28 days in this month, and I know that, but for a 30-day month, you would read five Psalms a day and the proverb that goes with the calendar day of that week, or that, that calendar day. So, but you might ask, now how am I going to keep up with 150 Psalms and keep up where I, with where I'm at? So I might read Psalm 1 through 5 the first day, and then Psalm 6 through 10. Well, God made a phenomenal invention. It's called a note card. And if you take it and you put it in your Bible where you read the last day, you'll know where you were for the next day that you can read. So I want to encourage you to take that next challenge and to use that great invention that God gave you and read five Psalms along with the proverb of the day for that. And so I hope that you'll take that in the month of February because God wants to speak to us in our decisions and the things that he has for us. And he wants to speak to us through his word. But you know what? You've made all kinds of decisions. Matter of fact, I think you've made a great decision today because you decided to get up out of bed and to actually be here this morning rather than somewhere else or the hundred and other things, hundred and one other things that you could be doing today. You could be making right now that four and a half hour dip that is so special for the Super Bowl party that you're having today. You could be doing that, but you chose to be here. So I want to commend you for making a great decision. But here's what I want to share with you. As I've talked to many of you about life decisions that you're going through, big major decisions, I thought about this passage and I thought about these passages that we're looking at today and also just could we have a filter where we could process life decisions through. And I believe God gives us that in his word. So today we're going to do three things. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs because I surveyed the whole book of Proverbs this past week 
And I tried to distill all the verses that deal with making decisions. And I've distilled them into five relevant points that I think will meet every one of us where we're at, no matter what kind of decisions we're making. Then I want to give us what I call, how do I actually discern or how do I know whether it's the voice of God that I'm listening to? That's always, that's one of the biggest questions I ever get asked as a pastor is how can I know that what I'm thinking about doing is God's will? Is it God's voice for me? So I'm going to share with you a, a great process to help you know and determine that. And then the last thing I want to give you today is a filter that you can process your life decisions through. Whether you're 12 or whether you're 72 or whether you're 102, you can process your life decisions through this passage of Scripture that I'm going to share with you today. But here's the thing. You make thousands and thousands of decisions every day of your life. What you're going to wear, where you're going to go, who you're going to go with, what you're going to do. You're going to make those decisions. And we can come to the place where we have great difficulty making decisions. And God has incredible things to say about that. But we have to ask ourselves the question, what is a decision? Here's what a decision is. It's an act of the mind that results in the actions of the body. It is an act of the mind that we make that results in the actions of the body. Now, we're going to cover a lot of stuff today. Here's what I hope that you'll do. I hope you'll take notes. I've already had four or five people who have asked me, hey, could I get that manuscript because I couldn't take as many notes as I wanted to take. I want you to take notes today because we're going to cover a lot of ground really quickly. And I think these are going to be things that you may not be making this decision today, but several weeks from now, you're going to be in the process of a decision. You're going to go, I wish I had some of those things that I could walk through and process this decision. But we make literally thousands of decisions. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about the renewal of our mind, that we are not to be conformed to the image or pressed into the image of this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And a decision is an act of the mind that follows with actions from our body. But it begins in the mind. And when we put trash into our mind, you know what kind of decisions we're going to get out? trashy decisions. When we put junk in our minds, we're going to get out junk decisions. And you're going to struggle with where do I hear the voice of God or how do I hear the voice of God when you've not been centered in God's word and what he wants you to do. God desires for us to make his decision and godly decisions and he wants us to walk in his way. But to do that, we must be involved in his word and be involved in this process that we're going to talk about today. My wife is an incredible lady, and she makes phenomenal decisions. And especially, she is a person, just like her grandmother. When she is under stress, she is somebody that you want in your corner. When you're making, when you're struggling with something, she is somebody that you want in your corner. And she is a tremendous negotiator. She is such a good negotiator that I don't even want to be present with her when she's going through her negotiating skills. You know what I'm saying? I don't go to buy cars anymore, okay? I went with her once, and I left, and I said, I was so uncomfortable with what just went down that uh, from now on, you take the checkbook, you go buy the car, just tell me what I'm driving out because I really don't care because, you know, I feel sorry for the person who's negotiating with her because one time she said, the guy said, you know, you're taking food away from my family. She goes, uh, I don't think I'm taking food away from anybody's family. This is just a car deal. This is not what we're dealing with on this. And so I'm like, you know, she doesn't negotiate with anyone. 
I mean, when Girl Scouts come to our door, they are praying that they get Kara, Allison, or me, okay? Because I love me some caramel delights. You know what I'm saying? But there's that amen. That is the loudest amen I've had all day. Thank you very much for the caramel delight and the Girl Scout cookie. But the Girl Scouts don't like Jennifer to come to the door because she is incredible at negotiating. But when it comes to making simple life decisions, she is like a noodle. She hates going to Subway or Starbucks because she gets up to the counter and she's like, I don't know. What? I said, baby, you get the same thing every time. Just get this and this. It's going to work out. You get a skinny vanilla latte with two Splenda. It's not that hard to say, but she's like, I always freak out and I always freeze. We get the paralysis of analysis. Anybody been there? All right. So you're making decisions. You're walking through life. You're trying to make these decisions. You're like, does God even care that I'm making these decisions? Does God want, does he have a will for my life? Does he want me even in the small decisions of my life? And the answer is absolutely. He does. God wants us to know that he cares. Do you feel like that you have more decisions and more choices today than you did 10 years ago? How many of you would say yes to that? All right. So with technology and all the things that we have, we have more choices today than we had just 10 years ago. In a study done in 2010, it says this, that an average American supermarket carries 48,750 items. That is five times more than they carried in 1975. Tropicana orange juice has 20 different kinds of orange juice. Does God care whether I get pulp free or a little calcium added in there? I don't know, but there are 20 kinds of orange juice in the supermarket. Walmart, the big box retailers provide a smorgasbord of over 100,000 different types of consumer goods. And yet they can't carry my Snackwell cinnamon raisin bars, okay? Why do our grocery stores get us hooked on something that we absolutely love and then they quit carrying them? How many of you are ticked off about that? Come back next week and we'll be talking about anger, okay? And you can work it, work that whole decision through. But why can Walmart not carry my Snackwell cinnamon raisin bar and yet they can carry 20 different types of marshmallows, okay? Are you people eating that many marshmallows? I'm just asking you this morning. How many of you are eating coconut-covered marshmallows? I have no idea. Oh, there's one. Elizabeth, you are eating coconut-covered marshmallows. Okay, and all different kinds and shapes and little little marshmallows and big, puffy uh, jet marshmallows. They're just huge campfire marshmallows, I think they're called. And this week, I actually saw marshmallows in the shape of ice cream cones. Okay, who is eating that? And yet they... <laughs> Elizabeth, you're eating way too many marshmallows. Okay, there you go. And yet they can't carry cinnamon raisin bars. Okay, I have a particular issue with that, obviously. Netflix, over 100,000 DVDs. Amazon.com, 24 million different kinds of book titles. There are lots of decisions that we make, and we make them every day. Do we put good things into our life that we can make good decisions, or are we putting junk into our life and into our minds that our bodies make bad decisions when we do so. I've wondered what goes into that process for me. Many times I want other people to make decisions for me because it takes the weight off me. Why do I do that? I came up with three reasons why I think sometimes I do that. One is I'm just too lazy and I don't want to make the decision. I don't want to make the call. Remember back in the dating days, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? What do you want to eat? I don't know. What, it feels, what sounds good to you? I don't, and you go through that, right? We've, been, we've all been there, okay? Make a decision already, right? 
I'm just too lazy. I, I don't really want to make the decision. Other times, I find that I just want to put people around me that will agree with me with the decision that I want to make, okay? For instance, if I don't want to fix dinner one night or I don't want to clean up after Jennifer fixes dinner or whatever, I come in and I make a suggestions to my family. Does anybody want to go out to eat? And you know what? I have never made that suggestion that my daughters did not back me up and go, yeah, I'm with dad. I want to go out to eat, all right? We want to go do that. That's So I, what do I do? I gather people around me who agree with me. The third reason I think that we really, we don't want to make decisions is we don't want to be held responsible for our decisions. We want somebody else that if they make the decision, what can we do? We can blame them for the thing that they told us to do. So we don't want to take responsibility for our decisions. But here's what I want us to know today. God is very interested in our decisions. And so everything we're going to cover today, it's going to be like taking a sip of water out of a fire hydrant, okay? Because I'm going to cover a lot of ground And I want to encourage you to take notes and think about this because God is incredibly concerned about our decisions. And he not only is concerned, he gives us a way to make those. All right. So we're going to look at these things today. The first thing I want us to do is I want us to look in the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to give you five quick points, but I'm going to show you the immenseness of the verses that deal with decision making. We're going to cover them like in, in quick bullets because I want you to see them. and I want you to write them down because I think you're going to want to go back to them. So five distilled points from all the book of Proverbs and what it says. Point number one, our perspective on our decisions are often flawed. Our perspective on our decisions are often flawed. Okay, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, verse that we've shared a lot in this series. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not what? Do not lean on your own understanding. Why should we not lean on our own understanding? Because our own decision-making is flawed because we are fleshly. And even if we have a relationship with Christ, which I pray that you do, because that's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And the best decision that you'll ever make is to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ because he will assist you and he will help you make the rest of the decisions of your life. But even when we have Christ as the center of our life, we still deal with what we call our fleshly nature. We still have a battle going on inside and we cannot lean on our own understanding. Why? Because it's flawed. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's not that our paths are straight, but it's as when we see them, our paths are a straight line because it's in line with where God wants us to be. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a second. Proverbs fourteen twelve and Proverbs sixteen twenty five say the same thing. And anytime the book of Proverbs says something the exact same way twice, do you think we ought to listen? Yes, we should. It says there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end is the way to death. In other words, it can look right to us. It always looks right to us, doesn't it? It always looks like the way that we should go. But there is a way that seems right to us, but the end of it ends up in death. Now, if somebody would have told us that the end of that decision ended up in a deathly thing or ended up in a tragic situation, what person who uh, ends their life because of the last text would say that texting and driving is, not a, is a bad idea. Of course they would say that if they had the chance to say that. They would say that's a bad idea. The end of that decision is a way of death and because it seems right in our own eyes. Proverbs twenty eight twenty six says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. You see, our perspectives of our decisions are flawed. So, 
It's like we've got bad vision and we need to take off and get a new set of glasses. So that's the first thing we need to understand that Proverbs says about decisions. Point number two, we have a personal God who is interested in every one of our decisions. We have a personal God who's interested in every one of our decisions. Proverbs 5, 21 through 23 says this. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. Everything we ever have done, everything we're going to do is before the eyes of the Lord. But listen to this. And he, meaning God, ponders all of his paths. You realize there's about 120 of us in this room. That means there's 240 legs. And do you realize that, or 240 feet, do you realize that God knows every step that you have ever taken and ever will take, and he's intimately acquainted and cares about every one of those steps that you ever have taken and ever will take. And God is so immense and so transcendent to everything that we see that he can know everything like that and yet be so concerned about the individual path that you take and that I take. God is that big and yet that personal. And he's very concerned about how you make your decisions. He says, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast by the cords of sin. Have you ever felt that? Held fast by the cords of sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. God cares. It matters. Proverbs 10, 29 says this. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. I love the Lord is a stronghold. His way gives us strength and it's like a fortress to us. I love Lord of the Rings because I love the huge fortresses and the castles that are there because they seem like such places of strength. This year is our 20th year anniversary for Jennifer and I for our, for our marriage. And we're going to take a, a special trip, but we've already planned our 25th trip because our 25th year trip is going to be to the Bavarian castles in Germany and in that area because I just love those. I've never been there. I want to retrace the steps of Martin Luther. I just want to do some of those things that probably nobody else cares about doing. But, but I want to do those things because it goes into those, some of those Bavarian villages and the castles because it reminds me of the stronghold and the fortress that God's way and His way of making decisions are in my life. But my way is just all over the place if I go my way. The third point we see here is decisions are better with counsel as long as it's godly counsel. Proverbs has a bunch to say about godly counsel. He says, Solomon tells us that our decisions will be better when we seek others out, when we let people in our circle, when we let godly people. That's important. It's not just our cronies who, who are people who will agree with us the way that we want to go, but it's people who are wise, people who might be older and more experienced, or people who have been down this road before and can speak into our lives. It's interesting to me that, you know, thinking about teenagers and thinking about life and that we always want to make the same decisions and stupid decisions that our parents made, okay? I always want to say, hey, at least make a, make a new decision, okay? Make, make something different. Don't do the stupid things that I do, um, but, but do something different. Learn from my life. Learn from the things that I've made mistakes in. That's what wisdom does, is this counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen. there's several verses about this. Where there is no guidance, a people fails or falls, excuse me. But in an abundance of counselors, there is what? Safety. In an abundance of voices who are all leading in the right direction or who are all godly voices, 
there is safety and security. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they, exceed, they succeed. I love Proverbs 18, 1, which says this. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Okay, men? How about directions? Okay? Whenever we isolate ourselves and we don't seek out those directions, well, you know, I intended to be on this road. This is just a road that we have not traveled on in a while. Yeah, like never, okay? We've never been on this road before, and I think we're in the wrong place. But we, when we isolate ourselves, we're really just seeking our own desires. When you won't listen to godly voices in your life, what you're really doing is just going headlong in the direction that you want to go. Let's just be honest. That's what we are doing. And God says there's wisdom in multiple godly counselors. He says, but he breaks out against all sound judgment. That's what we do when we isolate ourselves. But if we're willing to let other people in and be transparent and be open and allow people to speak into our lives, then we are in the path that God has for us in our decisions. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 20, verse 5, the purpose in a man's heart, I love this illustration, the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. I think about living water and we go and we drill these wells and we go deeper down into the earth and, and we think about this, the purpose that God has for us in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. He knows how to get to it. Do you have people of understanding in your life? Do you have people that you trust that you could go and share what you're going through? And they may just listen. They may not give you advice, but they may listen to where you're at and help you, help guide you in godly counsel. I hope you've got people like that in your life. This is one of the reasons why we believe that life groups and meeting together and connecting with each other is so vitally important to your life. Because you don't have the perspective that you need to have. Karen and I were talking about this. We were talking about this as we were driving the other day. We are talking about blind spots. When you're driving, you have blind spots. Those places that your mirrors don't catch. Every single one of us have blind spots that we need people in our lives that are not just people who are fly-by-night friends, but people who are consistently in our life over time and they know our patterns and they know where our weaknesses are and they know the places where we're strong and they can tell and see different perspectives of our lives that as we look at that, we can give godly counsel to say, you know what, here's your tendency. Here's what you tend to do. You might think about this. What does God have to say to you about that? Proverbs 20, verse 18 says, Plans are established by counsel and wise guidance. By wise guidance, you wage war. If you're going to go to war, if you're going to choose a battle, a certain hill in your life to fight upon, it might be wise to get some guidance as to decide, is this really a hill that you want to die on? Is this one worth it? Godly counsel. Number four. Decisions are best made with contemplation, not haste. They are best made if you take time to make the decision. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believes everything. <laughs> the simpleton goes to the door and every well-meaning Girl Scout has cookies that he should buy. Okay, that's, that's, what, that's what I think about when the simpleton, the simple person goes, believes everything, but the prudent gives thoughts to their steps. 
Proverbs 19, 2. Desire without knowledge is not good. Just to desire something is not enough to make a decision about it. Just because you want it isn't enough to say that's what you should do. Desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses the way. You miss your turn and you're going too fast. Proverbs 20, 25 says, It is a snare to say rashly it is holy and to reflect only after making vows. I remember that one in college. When I would say too quickly, well, God has told me to do this before I really considered everything that he might want me to do. It's a snare to say rashly, this is the holy thing. This is what God wants me to do. And after you've made the vows, only then to inquire. This is what that verse really means. How many of us make our plans and then pray that God will bless the plans we made? Instead of seeking God and allowing him in the process of making our plans. That's what we're talking about today. And number five, we make the plans, but God determines the path and our purpose. We may make the plans, but God is the one who determines our path and our purpose. Two verses I want to share quickly. Proverbs 15 says this, 15 verse 19 says, The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Have you ever walked on thorns? You know, it looks something like this. You're jumping from place to place and you can't you can't get any. There's no level way as you're jumping from place to place. But he says what? That's what a slugger does. Someone who doesn't want to make their decisions and take the proper time to think about that. But the path of the upright who leads first, who seeks out God before they're making the decision is in the right direction. Here's what we're saying today. God already knows our purpose. And he knows our path. And he's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He made us the way that we are. He cares about the decisions that we make. And God has a flow of a path of our lives that he has for us. And the goal of what we're saying is we should not lean to our own understanding. But what we're trying to do is, can we discern that path in such a way that I can get in line with God's flow in my life? That's what we're talking about. To choose not to go our own way, but to go in the way that God wants us to do that. So if God really does care about your decisions and he really does know and understand you, would you not like a way that you can discern whether it's God's voice in your life or not? Would you? Okay. Cause if not, we'll stop here. But if you would like to know that we can go on and then actually I'm not giving you that choice. All right. We're going to go on. You might stop anyway. And I wouldn't want you to do that because I want you to hear this. We can tell the voice of God, and we can discern it. But let me tell you what it's not. It is not taking out the quarters and putting them in the vending machine of God and pressing your decision and saying, God, this is, this is what I want to get out. Instead, it's a process. It's a journey. It's a journey that the longer you're on this journey with Christ and walking hand in hand with Him, just like uh, Sam read that verse about the ones who were on that Emmaus road, the longer that you're on the road, the more you're going to be able to discern and know that it's the voice of God in your life. So what I'm giving you is not a formula for success of knowing exactly what God says. Instead, it's the process by which you can know this. There's an incredible author that I read everything that he writes and I love him as an author. His name is Dallas Willard. If you're looking for uh, a new author to follow, he is deep in what he writes. He is the, uh, he's a, the director of philosophy or the professor of philosophy 
at the University of Southern California, okay? I am so excited that the professor of philosophy at USC is a godly, godly man. Aren't you? You know, there are so many different philosophies that are out there. I'm thankful that on that campus at USC that we have Dallas Willard. He actually grew up um, about 30 miles from where I went to college in uh, southeast Missouri. And, but Dallas Willard is somebody that I always read. He's written this book called Hearing God. And I encourage you, if you want to read something that will challenge you, this is a great read, but anything by him is an incredible opportunity. But here's what Dallas Willard talks about in hearing God and how can we discern God's voice. He talks about the fact that we have three lights that we follow. And that when all these lights are focused in the same direction and they line up, then we can know that we are in the direction of discerning God's voice. Not one of these lights by themselves is the voice of God. But when all three come together and are flowing in the same direction, then we know that we are in the path of hearing what God has to say for us. So would you like to know what those three lights are? Okay, here they are. First of all, it's circumstances. Circumstances in our life. Now, notice that this is going to be a smaller light and the lights are going to get bigger. That signifies this, that this is the smallest. uh, We need to lean on this one the least amount of these three because our circumstances can change, can't they? How many of you have made decisions like I did at times where I would say, okay, stupid little things like, God, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to throw this piece of trash towards the dumpster. And if it goes in, then that's what you want me to do. How many of you have made dumb decisions like that? Thank you. All right. The Bible says you're a fool and I am too. No. Okay. But you see our circumstances and and what did you do? Okay. When you missed the first time you went, God wants to give me another chance, right? All right. I'm going to shoot it. I'm going to try to make it in. All right. We all do things like that. But you see, our circumstances change. But circumstances are one light that when we flow in the direction of the circumstances that God leads us to, we are flowing in his direction if they line up with these other two things. But you see, circumstances change. You could eat a bad um, chicken salad sandwich today and you don't, aren't feeling good tomorrow and you might make bad decisions based on what? How you feel. How you feel is not the best examiner of the voice of God, but it is one direction, your circumstances. Some of you have gone through circumstances and you go, it's obvious that God was leading me through some of these circumstances. I don't doubt that. I've felt the same thing in my life. There have been circumstances that God has led me towards and he's used circumstances, doors that close and doors that open that I walk through that leads me to the path of life. However, that's not the primary light that we need to follow. The second light is this, impressions of God's Spirit in our life. Impressions of the Spirit of God. Now, this is a greater light. It's not the greatest light, but it's a greater light than our circumstances. Now, what is the impression of God's Spirit? Well, again, this is not a formula that you're going to be able to know that immediately. If you're a brand new Christian, this is something that you learn to discern the voice of God in your life over time. And the longer you walk with him, the better you'll know these impressions. Is it the angel on your shoulder? Is it your conscience? Yes, it's kind of all of those, but it is the impression that God's spirit leads you. Best example I can give you is to tell you something that happened to me. When I was in college, one of the things that we did is I would be on a team of people that would go to rural churches in Missouri, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, and we would do, uh, we would speak at those churches and do kind of events. Sometimes they were youth events or whatever. So 
on that team was always usually someone who spoke, someone who kind of led activities or student ministry activities, someone that um, that usually played and led worship, and uh, someone that, that uh, sang. So we would usually be a team of four or five, and we'd go to these various churches. Well, in one particular church that I went to, I believe this one was in Missouri, and the person... I was not the person speaking this particular weekend. I was leading the student ministry activities. And the person that was speaking did an invitation. So he gave an opportunity for people to follow uh, Christ in whatever he was speaking about that night or to follow Christ by accepting him. And so, but he asked us who were in the team to sit, stand at the back. And as I was standing at the back, it was as if I heard the voice of God saying, and by the way, I put myself in the range range of what I would call normal in that I've never heard an audible voice from God, okay? That's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about hearing God. But I have sensed God's word. I've heard him speak through his word so loudly that really an audible voice would have been a step down from what I actually felt and sensed, okay? Does that kind of make sense? So on this day, this was one of those days. I was standing at the back. He was kind of giving the invitation. And it was as if I was hearing God say, you need to walk forward. I'm going, you know, I'm kind of arguing, going, God, he didn't want me to walk forward. That kind of seems silly. And it was a church about this size. And so I start walking forward. And it was as if God said, stop. And I'm going, okay, this is a, this is a game of mother may I with the Lord, okay? So now I'm stopping, okay? And I look to my right. There's a lady. Now, she had brought her son to this youth event, and she was sitting kind of about three-fourths of the way back. And it just seemed like God was saying to me, you need to ask her if there's anything that you can help her with. And I'm like, she's going to think I'm an absolute lunatic, okay? Which helps me to know that this is towards the voice of God. Why? Because broad is the way that leads to destruction. So this was not a normal inclination that I would have. This was going very much against what I would normally want to do. So I'm going, okay, this seems like this might be in the direction that God wants me to do because this is nothing that I wanted to do. I'm like, okay, I'll be obedient. And I kneel down and I said, ma'am, you may think I'm crazy. And I said that. I said, but I really sense that God wants me to just ask you if there's anything that I can help you with today. She said, well, it's no accident. I said, well, good. Please enlighten me. (laughs) She said, I brought my son to this event. There's not a lot of adults in here, and I sure wasn't going to get up and make a decision. But I just prayed, and I told God, God, if you want me to make a decision today, you're going to have to send somebody to ask me. And I went, whoa. That's unbelievable. I was hearing what God was saying to me. Now, you want to know the saddest thing about that? That's one of the best examples I can give you. And I was 19 years old. I think the tragic moment for me sometimes is that what was going on in my life then that I was so paying so much close attention that I was hearing the voice of God in that. Another key thing for me was as we came here to EVC, I'd been at another church for 20 years. I'd invested my life there. There was, there was no reason really for me to want to leave. There was so much comfortability that I was experiencing there. But God, in like September of a year, told me, and I was knowing that I was getting more and more uncomfortable that I needed to take a step out. But he didn't give me where I was going until January, early February. It was this time three years ago that I'd been fasting for a week Seeking God, I'd been 
For a month, I'd been reading Psalms and Proverbs just like I've asked you to do. And that's where God had sent me. And I was reading them over and over and over again, saying, God, I am not moving until I have a word from you of what I need to do. And God used my circumstances. And I opened up my computer that day. And there was, a, there was something from Bart that Bart had put on a website that they were looking for somebody here at EVC in the area of discipleship. And I said, I'm going to call him. You see, that was not, the circumstances didn't come first. I was already seeking God. I already knew what, that he was releasing me to do something. I just didn't know what. And now the circumstance was in front of me. The impression of his spirit led me to that. The circumstance was there. It was on my computer. I made the phone call. Bart thought I was going to be recommending somebody else. And I, he said, are you, are you calling? Because we knew each other. We knew of each other. Jennifer had gone to college with, with Bart and with Hope. And so we were talking about that. And he goes, did you call me to recommend somebody? I said, yeah, I did. Me. <laughs> and he said, really? Because he knew that I'd been there for 20 years. Why, why, why are you thinking about this? I said, all I can say is. God is leading me. He said, can we talk about that? And I was like, yeah, we can. You see, the circumstances in line with the impressions of God's spirit and in line with this third light, God's word. Now, if you'll notice, it's the largest circle. Why? Because his word doesn't change. Our impressions can sometimes be amiss. Our circumstances can certainly change. His word doesn't change. And one of the things that I asked God for on that day was that he would give me confirmation not only for me, but he would also give confirmation for Jennifer because we were making this decision together. And God gave me all those things as we lined up with what God wants. And so this is what it looks like. We line up, but the circumstances, the impressions of his spirit, and the passages of God's word line up. And again, I'm not saying that that is the voice of God. I'm saying that that is leading you in the right direction towards what God wants you to go into. Does that make sense? As those things line up, we're in line with where God wants us to be. But there are three things that I want you to understand about this. First of all, there's heavier value upon God's word because it doesn't change than on any of the other lights. You need to know that. Number two is you must have a commitment to travel in the way of Christ Discerning your own motives and what you want more than what God wants, you need to make sure that you check your motives at the door. And we're going to talk about more about motives in just a second. This has got to be a part of your process and path of life. This isn't the vending machine to God to say, give me a decision. I'm putting my, I'm putting my fasting in. I'm putting my Bible reading in. I'm putting my praying in. Now give me the decision I need, God. No. This is the process of a journey of life that when we do these things, we are lining up with the direction that God wants. And the third thing you have to remember about this is that your ability to discern the oppressions of God will take time. And so you need to be careful as you lean upon them that they all line up with God's word. Now, the Bible talks about the fact that his sheep know his voice because he spent time with them, right? And that's what God wants for you. So this is a way that we can discern if we're moving in the right direction. These are Proverbs that give us general principles towards decision-making that God has. And the last thing I want to give you today is simply a filter that you process life decisions through. This is a passage from God's Word. It comes from James chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. 
And I want you to listen to what it says. This is a filter, just like Pastor Bart gave us, the think filter that we talked about a few weeks ago about words that we say. Should we we say what we're thinking? Should we we walk through this? So I hope you picked up that one because it'll help you in the things that you say. But now a filter to process life decisions. James James 3.13 says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a list of things over here that look like the world and a a list of things over here that look like God. And we're going to filter our decisions as to which of these two does, does our decision look like. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if you're focused more on what you want and whether you're jealous of what someone else has or you're, you have ambition that is going beyond what you really need and what God wants, but it's more of just what you want. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. And the truth is what we want. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is what? Earthly? It is unspiritual, and it is demonic. Okay, why does he use the word demonic? Okay, well, this is getting a little freaky here. What he means about demonic is simply this. It's rebellious. Demons were rebellious. Demons were the third of the angels that fell when Lucifer, who was in charge of all the worship in heaven, he was the archangel in charge of, of all the worship in heaven, when he bowed up against God and basically said that I am as good as God. And then he fell and he took a third of the angels with him. These are the demon spirits that are present in this world. And what James is saying is these, this is a rebellious heart. that are demonic. For where jealousy and ambition exist, there will be what? Disorder and every vile practice. But... On this side, the wisdom from above is first, what? Pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial. means it doesn't matter whether it's uh, rich or poor or known or unknown, famous or not famous, blue collar, white collar. It's impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown by peace by those who make peace. So, this filter, what does it look like? There are three areas that as you process your life decisions through, there are three questions that I think you need to be asking. The first is the question of motive. Motive. It's why am I making this decision? Is this decision mixed with jealousy and a desire towards self-promotion? Or are my motives pure with a desire to facilitate peace is peace what i'm after personal peace peace for my family peace for others peace for others that i don't even know yet is there peace is that the reason that i'm making this decision and is it pure are my motives pure now we have to ask the question are my motives ever pure that's a great question Certainly, we are all filled up because we deal with this selfish desire, because we deal with our sin nature. We have to always question our motives. But this question of motive is huge when you're processing life decisions. What's my motive? Is it bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, or is it pure and peaceable on this side? The second set of questions is what's the source? 
In other words, where is this coming from? Is it coming from God on this side? Or is it coming from the worldly standards, my flesh or Satan himself? What would help us know that? If it looks earthly, unspiritual, and rebellious, it's not of God. If it looks gentle, okay, now let's talk about gentle. What does that mean? The word is actually the same word for meekness. Now, meekness sounds really interesting. What does meekness really mean? Picture this, a horse with a bridle. Incredible strength, but what? Under control. So you have incredible strength in that you are a child of God. But are you under his control? Do your decisions look like they're all over the place? Or am I submitting to God's control? Is it under God's control? Is it gentle? Is it open to reason? Remember what Proverbs said about open to godly wisdom? Do you feel open that you are transparent to others to let them see your decision-making process and speak into your life? Is it open to reason? Or is it earthly, spiritual, and demonic? So that's the question of source. Where is it coming from? The third set of questions is this. The third filter. What does it produce? What's the product? In other words, what comes from it? What will this decision produce? Now, some of you are going, well, if I knew what the decision would produce, I'd know what the answer is. Well, that is true. But you have to think in your mind, asking God for the wisdom to see what is the thing that's out there? What might this decision produce? Is it going to produce on this side things that are rebellious and disorderly? Moving around in all kinds of different things and every evil practice. If it's selfish, it's going to produce every evil practice. What is it on this side? We have a great list on this side for this. Is it producing things that are full of mercy? Is it merciful to other people around you? Will this decision produce things that, that give life to other people? Is it full of good fruits? Is it impartial? Is it sincere? And does it have a harvest of righteousness? When I think of harvest of righteousness, here's what I think of. Does this decision produce things that are going not just for me and my family or me and myself? Does it go to future generations? Does it build things in other people's lives? Does it have a harvest of righteousness towards the future? So that's huge. James 3, 13 through 18, a phenomenal filter to process your life decisions through, to say, God, does this look more like the world? Does it look more like my flesh? Does it look more like the enemy himself, Satan? Does it look more like you as we're processing life decisions? I hope that you'll take that and ingrain that within you. Hope that you guys wrote that down so that you can take it through the rest of your life to process these things that look in front of you. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do? What's going to be my major? As you process through those things, great filters to do so. But here's the last thing. What does godly decision-making bring? As I distilled all these verses from Proverbs, I had this passage left. And I was like, what do I do with that? And I went, I looked at it, I went, that's what godly decision-making brings. Listen to this. Proverbs 3, verse 21 through 24 says this. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. You'll wear them as a medal, knowing that God has been with you in this decision-making process. Then 
you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid because you've made the decision that is in line with what God wants you to do. You don't have anything to fear. And when you lie down, I love this last part, your sleep will be sweet. How many of us have tossed and turned over decisions? How many of us would love to have sleep that is sweet? Because we know we're in line with these lights that are in the right direction of God's voice. And we've processed our life through his word in the process of decisions. Would you bow with me this morning? Some of you are in the process right now of making huge decisions. And you just say, Pastor Randy, would you just pray for me? Because that I'm, making, I'm in the process right now of making a big decision. Would you just raise your hand so I can just be praying for you? Thank you so much all over the place. Now, I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Is there anybody here this morning, and I just want to be, I want to be mindful of this and be praying for you, that you would say that the decision that you're making today is that whether to follow Christ and to make that decision, the most important decision that you will make, that you would like to follow Christ. Is there anybody here this morning that you'd say, that's my decision, I'm contemplating? Anybody at all? Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for these who've lifted their hands, acknowledging that they have big decisions to make. Father, there may be somebody here this morning that just like that lady that I spoke of, they, they don't want to make that decision. They don't want to, to, to make that choice. But, Father, they're contemplating in their heart. And, Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd speak to them. You'd help them to know the greatest decision they'll ever make is to follow you with total abandonment. And that you are approachable and reachable and that it is your righteousness that we stand in before the Father. Lord, I lift up those who are making those big decisions. Lord, I pray that your word would guide them, your spirit would be so close to them, and that you would lead them through this process and through just the things of their life that you would enable them to see and to hear your voice, and that they would have confidence in what you want to do in them. In Jesus' name, amen.